0: Well, this is a special opportunity for us. Um, Actually, in probably October, uh, we always plan our quarters in advance, and Bishop was always so good about that. And uh, we felt a stirring in our heart over a few specific things that were supposed to happen in the first quarter of 2021. And one of those was for us to make room for God to speak prophetically into the house. Okay, I'm going to try it on this side. Because there's something about a, a, a kairos word in a moment that God gives a house that they're able to attach to and begin to run. It's like Habakkuk. Unless it's something is made plain, then others cannot run with what the vision is. And it's not that the prophetic voice comes and lays everything out in a strategy. It's that they give us the confidence to say yes to him, right? Prophetic things come to give us the ability to say yes, right? They confirm in us what we're already sensing. And Bishop, Bishop really felt that we were supposed to have a voice. that has been here a few times that we have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, um, honor for and believe really represents the kingdom, and that was Pastor Bob Hazlitt. And we really actually intended this weekend to be even more than what it was, and honestly in December we could not get everything to line up exactly and we had a a Zoom call between Pastor Jay and Pastor David and myself and and Bishop and we finally looked at each other on the Zoom call and said well we're missing something we think Bob's just supposed to come It's, it's supposed to be Bob and Bob has a word for the house and here's what I love about that is that one thing that Bishop always instructed us as leaders and as ministers of this house was to look for pure voices there's nothing greater that you have to protect as a pastor than your platform because it's your entry gate it's the entry gate that you allow into someone else's heart and i can say about pastor bob that he is a clean hands man he comes with a pure heart and it is our privilege to have his voice among us today, not just to speak to us in a time that we didn't expect, but to speak what heaven's saying because heaven already knew. So he comes from Connecticut. He has an incredible family. He travels all over America and the world. His words have not ever fallen to the ground and failed at the Gate Church. What he has said has come to pass, and Bishop believed in that. And it is my honor and privilege, and I hope it is yours too, to receive Pastor Bob Hazlitt to the platform today as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us on January 31st, 2021.
1: God bless you. You can be seated. Gate Church, so great to be here in OKC. And Amanda, if you didn't say what you said about your mom, I was about to because when she sat down, I said, wow, I didn't know you could lead worship like that. And um, I'm married to a worship leader, so I know what it means to have the atmosphere changed, you know. And I always say my wife doesn't even need to sing. She just needs to hit a C chord and the atmosphere changed because the atmosphere is on the inside. And what's on the inside of you is greater than what's on the outside of you, right? And so I believe that um, God has sent me here and I'm so honored to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Kathy, for having me. Thank you, Bishop, for inviting me. And thank you, family, for uh, receiving me. You know, I know this is a a very uh, mournful time and it's actually very appropriate for us to mourn. I wanna welcome you, those who are watching online as well, part of the Gate family and those who watch from around the world and some of our community that are tuning in and praying for this church as well. But I wanna tell you that the Bible says we don't mourn as those who have no hope, right? But there is something that we need to understand and that there's something special that happens when we go through times of where we experience an injustice or we experience the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul said, I want to know Christ, and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, and I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. That's one thing that's hard for us to understand because there's a special koinonia that comes when we mourn together. There's a koinonia, the, a fellowship that happens whenever we experience something together. And do you know the, the Hebrew faith that we inherited, they had something called a lament. And a lament was whenever something happened that was unjust or something happened that we didn't expect that was, that was a loss. And a lament was telling God, hey, I lost this but then reminding him who he is in the midst of what we lost, and defining our loss by who he is, not what we don't have, right? Because otherwise in this world we can either live empty because the thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Bible says that Jesus said, but I have come. And No matter what the thief did to you last year or this year, Jesus always says, but I have come, because the thief comes to steal, but I have come. The thief comes to kill, but I have come. And the thief comes to destroy. But I have come. And I want to tell you, Gate Church today, he has come. He is here. And we're so grateful to be here with you during this time. And I do have a word for you. And um, I just want to share with you some things, even that might encourage you with the atmosphere. Because I'm, I'm married to a worship leader, she creates atmosphere. And I have some resources back there. Um, we, have, we have a healing atmosphere CD, a peace atmosphere CD. My, my wife did a CD she experienced a personal loss last year, and um, she just went into the studio, I don't know how many of you know Bishop Joseph Garlington, he's like a papa to us, but she went in with Clarence, his minstrel, and she did this CD called The River, and it was actually the oil of joy from mourning uh, she, because of the loss she was experiencing. It's one of my favorite things she did, it's just to create atmosphere. So if you're looking in a time right now, it's very important what you create on the inside. Because what's on the outside doesn't look like heaven, but what's on the inside can make heaven appear on the outside, right? So I just want to encourage you, there's some things back, there also just some resources I have if you want to learn more about the gift of prophecy, how you can hear God's voice in the midst of the chatter and the clutter of this world. Does anybody know there's a lot of noise out there, and, and God's voice cuts through the chatter and the clutter of social media, the chatter and the clutter of fake media, the chatter in the clutter of, I was going to say another word about uh, improper prophetic expressions. (laughs) I filtered myself. I heard my wife's voice say, don't say it. (laughs) And that was nice. Thank you, honey, for saying that in the living room there to help me. So if you'd like to learn more about how to uh, think more like God thinks, I have some resources that will help you do it. But I do have a word for you. I don't want to get right to it because I know we're limited here in our time. And I feel like the Lord has given me a word for this house today. And the Lord said, this year, you're going to go from empty to epic. I believe the Lord's going to fill this house. In fact, I'm going to say something with all honor and respect for what you're going through, because we are mourning together. I I had a year of loss last year, which I'll I'll share some of that with you, because that's part of our koinonia. But I felt like during worship, the Lord said to me, this is like an inaugural service. I feel like the Lord is saying, I, I'm, I'm launching you into a new season, and this is an inaugural time for the new gate. And, and what I mean by that is, you know when there's a commencement and a graduation? and Sometimes we talk about death as a graduation. Commencement is an ending of something, but it's also a beginning of something. And I believe God is doing something that's inaugurating something new in your life this year, and I want to speak into that. There's two scriptures I want to take you to. One is Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, and then the second one will be 2 Kings 4. Uh, one through 8 We're going to look at these, and, and these will be familiar to most of you. The second one might be unfamiliar to some people, but uh, I think for this church, I know you're a Bible-preaching church, a Bible-believing church, and so I know it's not going to be unfamiliar to you, but I want to give you some things I think the Lord has for you today. Uh, Turn to someone and say, this is going to be epic. <laughs> I just want to build your faith because, you know, epic doesn't come in the midst of overflow. It comes in the midst of emptiness. You know, Jesus fed the 5,000 in the midst of no food. He, he calmed a, a storm in the, midst of, uh, in the midst of fear. And I want to tell you that what God, when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that's when he comes to bring you life. But not just life, life to the full the epic life. So this is going to be epic. All right. Verse, verse 18 and 19 of Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up you do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you read this context, it's actually God is rehearsing. Isaiah is rehearsing everything that happened in the history of Israel. The, the injustice of slavery, the, the the Pharaoh that tried to steal everything from them, the, the um, armies that came against them, the loss of a generation that was lost in Moses, and Moses was saved out of it. And he ends it with, right before this, saying, and, and remember those chariots and all the reinforced armies that came against you and how they got buried in the sea. (laughs) And then he says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. I love this word, uh, forget. It actually doesn't mean that you won't have a memory because you will have a memory, but it actually means this, to be marked by something, which means your memories don't have to mark you. When he says, forget the former things, he doesn't say it wasn't hard. He didn't say it wasn't a loss. He didn't say it wasn't an injustice. He says, you won't be marked by what you're mourning. You won't be marked by what you lost. You won't be marked by what the thief stole. You won't be marked by what he tried to kill. You won't be marked by what he tried to restore. And in the midst of mourning, you can say, my future won't be marked by what I lost. My future will be marked by what God is about to do. Do not dwell on the past. See I am doing a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. And a lot of times we like this, especially when we're the younger generation. I remember being that younger generation. You know, there used to be these prophetic words when I was younger. There's a, there's a nameless, faceless generation that's going to rise up between the ages of 18 and 35 and there's going to be a revival. And I loved that until I turned 36. <laughs> and then I just passed into a new decade a couple of years ago and I'm thinking man God can use that decade as well and sometimes we, we associate the new thing as the opposite of the old we think the new thing is getting rid of the old but no no this word new doesn't mean I'm doing a new thing I'm not doing the old thing it, it means the renewed thing Read it. It's the renewed thing, the rebuilt thing, the restored thing. Can I tell you something? The new gate isn't the opposite of the old gate. The new gate is the (laughs) regate. It's God going back to promises that you thought weren't going to come to pass and say, oh, no, I'm redoing that one. I'm going to do that again. I believe I loved when we first walked out here the song they were singing. I'm like, oh, we're going retro today. (laughs) I love it that God breathes on the old songs of Pentecost. I love it that he breathes on the hymns of the church. I love the new worship songs, you know. New worship songs, well, the old worship songs these days are like six months old, right? (laughs) Because they come out so fast, and we're so addicted to the new, and we're so charged by the new, and we get over-adrenalized by starting something new. Even in the prophetic, we do it all the time. We prophesy things, and then we get there, and we prophesy something else, and we're so addicted to Something that 's new and something that 's relevant, but I, I love what a friend of mine said recently, he said, just because something is recent doesn't mean it 's relevant. I believe that God is doing a new thing, He 's breathing new life on the old thing. I believe there are visions that God has given you that he 's saying, I haven't given up on that. Maybe, keep those, maybe those promises have been put on the shelf, but I want to tell you that God hasn't removed them. He's restoring them. He's rebuilding them. And if you look, actually, just a chapter back in Isaiah 42, there's a similar verse to this. You would know it. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. See, it springs up before you see it. I announce it to you. And then the next verse says, sing to the Lord a new song. So that means that the new sound is attached to the new thing. Before you can see God redo, rebuild, restore, you have to resing. You have to get a new song for your new thing. And here's what I want to say to you, Gate Church. There is a new sound that's coming. And it's because you need a new sound for your, to see your new thing. I want to talk to you about this. There's a story I think that relates this to the, what we're going through in the body of Christ. It's in Second um, Kings chapter four, but let me talk to you for you know just a moment about what we may have all experienced. Because last year we had a moment of disruption. Some of us lost income. Some of us lost jobs. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us lost promises. But I want to tell you something that God doesn't want you to be marked by what you're mourning. He wants you to be marked by what he has already planned to do. Look at Second look at Kings chapter 4. It's an obscure story, but I love this because, and every time I've come to the gate, this is my third visit, it's been a very significant time for me, and it happened to be a very significant time uh, in the church, and Bishop, first time I was here, I preached a sermon. And he ended up for two hours in his office with the staff explaining to me everything I said because I had no idea what I said. And he said, you just described what we've been through in the history of our church here, and I want to explain to you what you did. the last time I came here, I spoke to uh, one of the young men about, I see you doing prayer walks, and I see you with a map walking around the city, and I see God showing you a place where you're going to build the Father's house in the city, and apparently that was one of Bishop's son-in-laws, and him and his daughter went to plant a church in the city here. So for me, to hear, come back and to hear those stories, it gives me faith that this is a significant moment for this church This is a significant moment for me. This is a significant moment for the body of Christ. This is a significant moment for you that are watching. And I believe it's because the enemy wants you to look at what you lost and feel that you're empty. But God wants you to look at who he is, not what he's gonna do, who he is, and know that your life is full. And now there's a, there's a, a mentality that we can live from, a mentality of scarcity, that comes from the loss we've experienced, or there's a mentality of abundance. And I want to talk to you about a story of a, of a lady who lived that life. Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went out and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Can I just... Give you a little spoiler here. Yeah, I, I just sometimes I I like to start sermons with the with the ending. You know, when God comes into your life and it looks empty, He doesn't just give you enough to pay your debts. He gives you enough to fulfill your destiny. He doesn't just give you enough to give you back what you lost. He actually gives you everything you would have had had you not experienced the loss. And this is what I want to talk to you about. First of all, let's look at this story from a practical point of view because Here we have Elisha, who's, I call him the redo prophet. Some people call him the double portion prophet, but he's actually a redo for for Elijah's ministry because there's some things Elijah didn't finish that Elisha finished. And so it's the good news is, is that God has created a concept of family and that family doesn't mean that. When I fulfill my destiny, you have nothing left to do, but actually my destiny is attached to your destiny, and my destiny is attached to my father's destiny, and my destiny is attached to my mother's destiny, and my grandmother's destiny, and my grandfather's destiny. You see, your destiny is not about what you're called to do. Your destiny is about the family that you're called to be in. And so that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith, having not fulfilled their promise, because God left something better for us so that by us, they would receive their reward. Which tells me that Bishop fulfills his destiny when you fulfill your destiny. That that God left something for us to do so that he gets his reward. God left something for us to do so that Jesus gets his reward. God left something for us to do so that those who sowed seeds in this area of Oklahoma where there's been a history of revival, God has not forgotten them. But God is going back to the seeds in the ground and he's saying, as rain and snow come down from the heavens and water the earth. So my word that goes out from my mouth will give seed to the sower and bread for food and my word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose I send it forth to accomplish. Can I tell you that your tears of intercession and even your tears of mourning are watering the seeds in the ground of revival in this area and there is a new sound and a new thing that is coming. I want to tell you it's necessary for the tears of mourning to be, to be wept because those are what water the seeds of your destiny. And many times it's those tears of intercession. It's those tears of mourning that are the moisture that the soil needs in order for the seeds to come to harvest. Amen? Okay, so listen to this. Elisha comes to the house of a prophet. Now, this tells me that this was a man that was well revered. This was a man who had walked in a high level of gift because Elisha himself, who was the head of the school of the prophets, came to the family. So he visits the home of the woman, and he, as he enters in, you could see that the woman is focused on her husband dying, which is normal. She's lost something. And Elisha, what I love about God is he has this ability to come into us at our moments of loss and have empathy and have faith at the same time. You see it in Jesus' life. He comes into Lazarus and he speaks with empathy. He even weeps, but then he also speaks faith. And I believe we have to understand that that tears are not a lack of faith. Mourning is not a lack of faith. Because you can have uncertainty and have hopelessness in the same, or hope in the same space. You can have sadness and joy in the same space. I learned that at the end of 2019 because I, I gave away my oldest daughter in marriage. And uh, I walked her down the aisle, and there was both sadness <laughs> and joy. I handed her to a young man, and there was both sadness and joy. And I was happy we had fun. We danced at the reception, and we were happy we celebrated that she had become a woman. We celebrated that she had kept her heart pure. We celebrated that she was going into a next season of life. And then I woke up the next morning, and I walked by her empty room, and then the morning hit me. <laughs> then the tears hit me, and I and I lost. I experienced the loss that I had something, uh, that something that I loved was lost. I want to tell you that sadness and joy can be in the same space, that uncertainty and hope can be in the same space. And so Elisha comes into this place, and he says... To her, She says, my husband is dead, and you know that he is, he revered the Lord, but his creditors are now coming to take my two boys as slaves. And Elisha replied, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, your servant has nothing there at all. Stop right there. That's if we stop right there, then we live from a place Of lack we live from a place of scarcity we live from a place where our what we're mourning marks us but then she says well except a small jar of olive oil say to someone there's oil in the house (laughs) see the father had passed but there's oil in the house where do you all come from the oil came from the profit. The oil came from the process. You see, oil is a fuel that burned, but it was also a commodity for them. And, and they used it for lighting lamps. They used it for burning cooking oil. They used it for even to sell and to buy things and to trade. And so oil was a very valuable commodity. You have to understand that olive oil is a special kind of oil because there's lots of oils you can burn with. You can burn with fossil fuels. You know what fossil fuels are? They're the, the refuse or the decay of dead things that were in the earth that turned to carbon and then it turns into a fuel that burns, but it doesn't burn clean and it doesn't burn clear. And there's many times in our life we burn with the things that we lost. We burn with the things that decayed. We burn with the things that died and we burn with that place. And I want to tell you, you can burn that way, but it'll burn you out. And there's another kind of fuel, it's a fuel called fat. It's from the lard of animals, it's from the excess. And that kind of fuel will burn as well, but it doesn't burn clean either, and sometimes in our life we burn with things that are excesses, the desires of our heart, the passions that we have, the dreams that we have, and those are not bad things, but if that's all that we burn with, it'll burn us up. But there's another kind of fuel, and it's a fuel that comes from fruit. See, because olives are fruit, right? And the fruit that is developed and the fruit that is cultivated and the fruit that takes time in its process has to be picked at the the peak of its ripeness. And then when that fruit is in the hand of the one who's about to bring the oil, the hand of the person that's about to produce the oil, how is the oil produced from your fruit? Pressed. The oil is in the pressing. Pressing. The oil is in the pressing. The oil's in the pressing, and this woman is being pressed, and she's saying, all I have in the house is a little bit of oil. I want to tell you, gate church, body of Christ, you've been pressed, but it's because God saw the fruit of your last season. He saw you cultivate the ground and dig it up. He saw you plant the seeds. He saw you prune the tree and it's been a long time pruning the tree. It's been a long time and then I, I felt like the Lord said, you know what? Something happened at the beginning of this year that the battles of the last season are over and now I'm picking the fruit from the last season and if you let me press it, I'll bring out fresh oil. I'll bring out fresh oil in the house. And I want to tell you. Bishop's not here, but there's oil in the house. <laughs> Bishop's not preaching, but there's oil in the house. Bishop's not bringing the word, but the oil is still in the house. And the Bible said if a seed falls to the ground and dies, it produces something. And I believe, Gate Church, you're going to produce preachers, men and women and children that will preach the word, that will have a prophetic perspective, that will declare the word of the Lord. But can I tell you something else? There is an oil in this house for healing. and you watch this year, I tell you that the word, by the word of the Lord, you're going to see miraculous healings this year. God has oil in this house. Turn to someone and say, I got some oil in my house. <laughs> you see, I'm not just preaching a rah-rah sermon to you. I'm preaching something that's real in my life. You know, I walked by that empty room long enough in my house and I said, I don't want an empty room in my house. I don't want to mourn what I lost. And said, I said to my wife, I want, to turn my, I want to turn that bedroom into a prayer room, <laughs> not so I can go in there and mourn that my daughter moved away with some other guy. <laughs> I, I got in there and what I did is I, I, I used that prayer room to fill the emptiness. And what you do to fill the emptiness determines what the overflow of your life is. And so I want to tell you, your promise starts in the press. But Elisha talks to this woman and said, well, you got a little oil, that'll work. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. See, I want to tell you that the seed for your promise is already in the house. The seed for your destiny is in the house. The seed for your legacy is in the house. The oil for your inheritance is in the house. I want to tell you, you can take the father out of the house, but if, you don't, if the father is still here, you still have an inheritance. I want to talk to you about that. So Elisha said, go, go around and ask your neighbors for some empty jars, and don't ask for just a, a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you, and you and your sons, pour oil into the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to the side. Do you know you can't have an overflow if you don't have a container? Oh, we love this. Well, God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain, but you can't have an overflow of what you contain and if you don't have a container. (laughs) That's why God said in the Old Testament, build barns and I'll overflow them. Some of you are saying, God, bless me. God, bless me. He's like, where's your barn? <laughs> Where'd you sow your seed? Where do you put your seed? Where's your storehouse? Where is it? Because you build a barn, I'll overflow it. Now, a barn for you, it might just be if you're waiting for a oh, God, give me a house. Bless me with a house. Bless me with a house. I said, build a barn. I was praying years ago, God, we, we don't have a house. So I'm tired of living in, as a renter in the land. I want to be an owner. I want God, bless me with a house. He said, build a barn. I'm like, what does that mean? Start a savings account right? And so, so I started a savings account and then I sowed a seed. And then I went to a church and they, they, someone shook my hand on the way out. They gave me a pen. You guys know what this is, a Pentecostal handshake. We've forgotten that. That's a lost art. We need to start that here. <laughs> Pentecostal handshake. I love that way. You shake your hand and you, there's a little... Well, that was, a, that was a Abraham Lincoln, but maybe we can go a little bit better next time, you know what I'm saying? But you put that Abraham Lincoln in the bank, and then you sow, and then you get another Pentecostal handshake, and what happened was I went from no savings to a barn that was overflowing. I'm just telling you, there might be another practical application to this. Maybe your barn is go out and get a second job. Maybe your barn is, you know, go out and just serve your neighbor. Maybe your barn is come to church early and pray, and, and pray, and pray, and pray, and pray, because there's oil in in the house, and when, when you start to pour, the oil starts to multiply. And so he said, "Go around and collect containers." So, what are these containers? Well, I have a little um, confession to make. I grew up in a home where my dad he he thought he was he could make anything out of anything, right? And we grew up in a, a very working class kind of blue collar suburb, and um, my dad had this thing when it was garbage day, he say, he called me Bobby, Bobby, let's take a ride. And I knew what that meant. It meant we're going to go trash picking. Trash picking? You see, my dad thought other people's trash was his treasure. And he was really good. Like my dad would make stuff out of stuff people left. But the day I knew I was done with that was we pulled up to one of my friend's house and they had thrown away an old bicycle and he said, Bobby you just got a new bicycle. And I said, uh-uh, I'm, this is my friend's house. I'm not going to get that. So, you know, we got, we got that bicycle. But I, I decided when it's trash day, I'm going to make myself scarce, right? <laughs> but my, well, my dad understood, he would fix this stuff up. He would give it. He would give it to people that didn't have a bike or he would make things and give them to people. It was just a hobby for him because he believed that other people's, one person's burden could be a blessing to someone else. Here's what I want to tell you, there are people that have burdens that are your blessing. What does that mean? It means that when you go and you see the value in what other people have experienced, when you see the value in what other people have gained, when you sit and you listen to someone break the word, they've... they've, labored over this. They've labored over this. You don't just go and say, oh, that was a good word. You go back and you go dig deeper. You build a container out of that thing. You build something that God can pour oil into. You build something that God can overflow. And so you got to collect your containers for this next season. What does that mean for you? Oh, let me tell you, where's the oil in the house? The oil's sitting right there. (laughs) <laughs> the oils in in the in the seven year olds that are going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, the oils in the seventy five year olds that are still praying for the revival to return. I want to tell you this is this oil is a generational oil and is a generational inheritance, and so you've got to find. Let's talk about houses again. Several years ago. My wife and I were believing for revival to come into the region that we live in. And we've lived there since we got out of college. And it's one of the most unchurched regions of the country. And uh, uh, we had been to a a discouraging place in our life where we're like, God, we see God moving everywhere except for where we live. And we want to see revival where we live. And we were considering moving to another part of the country where God was already moving, you know. And the Lord spoke to us and he said, if you don't marry the land, I can't bless the land. You see, the reason that sometimes we don't experience the blessing is because we don't make covenant with where we are. And so we don't experience the covenant of God where we are. And so God wants you to experience the covenant blessings, but you got to keep covenant with where you are. And these are moments of time where we know where our covenant stands and we know who our covenant is with. And so the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to marry the land. So my wife and I felt like that meant sell our house and buy, buy a house, like marry the land, make a covenant with the land. That's... That's a mortgage, it's a 30-year covenant with the land. I <laughs> It's a 30-year covenant with the land. And, and we sold our house, but we couldn't find. We made a list. We said, Lord, this is, this is what we feel is our next season. We began to describe our next season. Even though we felt empty, we began to write down what our next season looked like in our ministry, in our family, in our marriage, and in our home. And everywhere we looked, we looked at over 40 homes. We could not find one that we felt like was the container that God wanted to give us. Except my wife found it, it it's just it wasn't on my list. It was like... I had three lists. I had a list that was like, this is possible, this is a faith list, and this is exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask or think. But my wife thinks exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or think, and so... The house she found wasn't even on the list. (laughs) It was over the list. It was off the list. It was off the charts. It was not even something that I couldn't even imagine in God's heart for myself. Well, I'll make the the longer story short, but we ended up having to move into a short-term rental, and, and there was a house that we had looked at, but it was just not on our list. It checked all the boxes, but it wasn't on the list. Couldn't afford it. And it sat there. And it sat there and it sat there. It was a new construction. No one had ever, ever lived in it. But it had what we wanted a small plot of land, but woods behind it that I didn't have to take care of. And we could have open space and walk. And it was, it was on the list, but it wasn't on my list. But it became a burden for the builder. And when it became a burden for the builder, it became a blessing for the Bob. <laughs> I want to tell you, there are containers out there that God has destined for you, but unless you go and find your containers, you'll never find your overflow. So I want to tell you, this house was a container that God wanted you to have, and you had to go and you had to find it, you had to possess it. And when you do that, it's not always easy. You think these young men wanted to go out and ask people for their trash? Because that's what the containers were, by the way. These were their excess. These are the things they didn't want. They didn't see value in them. But I can tell you that when you can find the value in what other people have lost value in, their burden becomes your blessing. Someone say the oil's in the house. And so when 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 you collect your containers, you don't just bring them out to the public. Here's what you do. So she left him. As they at the, uh, Elisha said, go around and collect all the containers, and, and after they're filled, put them to one side. So she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. She kept pouring. She kept pouring. She kept pouring. And when the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And so she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and live out your destiny with your sons. Here's what I want to say to you, that you won't receive your overflow if you store what you're supposed to pour. And, and sometimes when we have a scarcity mentality, what we do is we hold on to What's a seed that we're supposed to plant? And, it, and I'm, I'm not even talking about money here. I'm talking about what, right. when you have emptiness in your life, what you fill that emptiness is what will fill you.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. And what you do behind the door, where did she go to pour? behind the door. Sometimes, guys, you have to shut the door. Shut the front door. (laughs) say, Shut the back door. Shut the door to the devil and start to pour out to the Lord. Shut the door to fear and start to pour out to the Lord. Shut the door to what you lost and start to pour out to the Lord. And I got in that prayer room and I just started to pour out to the Lord. Thank you for revival in New England. Thank you for sons and daughters that you're going to raise up. Thank you, Father, for building the Father's house here. Thank you that I lost a daughter, but you're giving me your father. The father's house for this area. I began to pour. And I didn't know at the end of 2019 that what I was pouring behind the door was going to pour out of me in 2020. Because you don't know what lies ahead, but you know what's inside when you get behind the door and you start to pour. And this woman, this woman of faith who had lost, still mourning her husband, has shut the door. Look at somebody and say, shut the door. You know, shut the door and begin. Don't pour out your complaint to God. Pour out your worship to Him. But I didn't know what was in store for me in 2020. I didn't know that in March that I would lose 50 meetings that I was scheduled for. I didn't know that in April my sister would call me, and her husband was uh, diagnosed with COVID two weeks before he was struggling with it. It went to his heart, and it took his heart, and she called me, and we tried to bring him back in prayer, and she tried to resuscitate him. I didn't know that I would lose a family member. I didn't know that in May I would take a Sunday afternoon drive on my motorcycle and maybe take a little wide corner, I don't know what happened because I woke up in the hospital two hours later. There's two hours of my life I don't remember, but I do, I remember waking up and behind me there was a voice of a nurse in the trauma room and she said, sir, sir, where are you from? What country did you come from? I said I'm from here, why? She said because you've been talking out loud in a language I've never heard before. (laughs) Now You have to understand me, in 2020, I said some language I shouldn't have said, all right? I had some words I shouldn't have said. But in that moment, maybe because of the medication, maybe because I was just half-naked in front of a bunch of strangers, I don't know, I said, that's because I'm I'm a Christian, and that's my heavenly prayer language. That's how I pray in the Spirit. And then everything went silent. She said, okay, sir. Let me tell you something. What you pour behind the door is what will pour out of you when you're being squeezed. An hour later, they took me to the seventh floor to my observation room. I had five cracked ribs. I had a concussion. I was laying in bed. A nurse came in, the floor nurse. She's taking my information into the computer, and and, uh, her voice sounded familiar. I said, your voice sounds familiar. Are you the nurse from downstairs? She said, yes, sir, I am. I said, are you the one who asked me if I was from another country? And she said, yes, sir. People say strange things when they have medicine in them, you know. And I said, no, I say strange things all the time. Don't. <laughs> and I said, here's, I, here's what I found myself saying. I said, look, I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus always has something to say to us, and he wants me to tell you that your eight-year-old daughter loves to draw pictures. Do you have an eight-year-old daughter that loves to draw pictures? She said, yes, sir. And then I think she checked to see what kind of medicine they were giving me. (laughs) And I said, she loves to draw cartoon characters, doesn't she? She said, yes, sir, she does. I said, but what she really loves is music. She loved to play the piano, but she had a teacher that was very hard on her, and she quit piano, but she really wants to play, and it hurts her that she doesn't do music anymore. She began to weep, and she said, who are you, sir? And I said, I'm just a Christian God talks to me and He wants you to know how much He loves you and your family, and He sees how hard you work, and that nurse gave her life to Jesus in my, in my hospital room. She had been working, it was the height of COVID, she had been working 12-hour shifts, driving an hour and a half back home, hard life. She left the room in tears, she came back, and she said, I called my husband. I told him this week I was going to quit my job. I told him, I'm not quitting this job. I came to work for to meet you today and to meet Jesus. Can I tell you something? Even in your emptiness, what you pour starts to pour into you and will come out of you. I, I'm not saying this because I'm perfect. Like, I could bring my wife up and she'll tell you testimonies from 2020 that sound like the opposite of that. I prayed some prayers I shouldn't have prayed. I said some words I shouldn't have said. I talked some ways I shouldn't have talked. But can I tell you something? When it all comes down, even if you said, I got nothing at all, except Take the accept and start to pour. Take the accept and start to pour. Because God will use your accept to bring excess into your life God will use your accept to bring exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think what happens here he said look this is going to be enough not just for you to pay your debts but for your sons now say your daughters for their inheritance this was a, a good man this was a prophet but let's just say prophets are people too preachers are people too We get hangry sometimes. We say the wrong things sometimes. Sometimes, let me give you a secret. Maybe it doesn't apply to these guys. We don't practice what we preach. Sometimes. We keep practicing until we get it right. That's what we call practicing. (laughs) I didn't live it right that day. Let me practice again. Let me try again. Can I tell you something? This prophet wasn't perfect. His sons would have been left in slavery. He didn't leave an inheritance, but but he left something in the house. He left the anointing in the house. I want to tell you, I I love Bishop. I met him. We were going to be on TBN together, and I told the family this story the other day. How I'll remember him, not just for his preaching, not just for his wisdom, but we got into the car to go to the television station, and Tony, that's how I met him Tony, Bishop Miller, is in the back seat. Now, Bishop is built to be a front seat rider. I'm just like, he belongs in first class. He's just, he's built for first class. He's in the back seat, and he he begins to, you know, talk to me. I'm in the next seat up, and he's asking me, this was years ago. I was really young then. (laughs) I thought I was young. Anyway, he's asking me about myself and my ministry. And I didn't know, I hadn't been to the gate. I didn't know Bishop Tony Miller. It wasn't actually until I came here for the first time that I'm like, He took the back seat because he knew what you pour behind the door is what God pours from you for the platform. See, if you you want God to give you a platform to reach people, whether that's a business, whether that's a, a community outreach gift, whether that's being a preacher, if you want God to pour through you publicly, get behind the door and pour. Amen? Here's what I want to say to you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I believe that God has ended a long season of warfare for you guys. It's never, you're not going to have to go through those battles. In many ways, and this is, a, this is an improper analogy, it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's, too, it's too shallow of a metaphor, but you know how David couldn't build the house he wanted to build because he was a man that had been through so much warfare. Right? And it it took another generation, Solomon, who could rise up. And I I believe Bishop was built to be a warrior. He fought some battles, some that none of us will ever know, because he was a worshiping warrior. (laughs) He knew how to go behind the door and pour it if he's like me. Sometimes when I'm behind the door, I punch the wall too. I'm not saying he would do it, but sometimes I want to just be like, okay, God, can I punch something first before I lift my hands in worship? And you know what what I'm saying is, is that there are battles that you won't have to fight ever again because you had a fighter, you had a worshiping warrior that was leading you. But can I tell you something? The house that he saw, the house that he prophesied, the house that God wanted, that house is still God's house. That's still the house that this, this place is called to be. And I believe that for the entire body of Christ. I believe that 2020 was not a moment of the devil getting a victory. It was a moment of God saying, I saw the fruit of the last season, I saw the prayers, I saw the tears, I saw the worship, I saw you let me dig up the soil, I saw you let me plant the seeds, I saw you let me prune your tree, I saw you wait and wait and wait until the fruit was at the peak of ripeness. And then when you had the fruit, instead of eating it, you gave it to me. Instead of it providing food for you to satisfy your needs, you gave it to me, and I PUT PRESSURE ON IT, I ALLOWED IT TO BE SQUEEZED SO THAT I COULD PRODUCE SOMETHING THAT WOULD BE MULTIPLIED GENERATIONALLY, AN OIL THAT WOULD GO TO YOUR SONS AND YOUR DAUGHTERS, AN OIL THAT WOULD GO TO GENERATION TO GENERATION TO GENERATION TO GENERATION TO GENERATION. PASTOR CATHY, HERE'S WHAT I FELT LIKE THE LORD SAID TO ME TODAY, YOU KNOW, A RIGHTEOUS MAN, THE BIBLE SAYS, leaves AN INHERITANCE TO HIS CHILDREN AND HIS CHILDREN'S CHILDREN. And I feel like the Lord said, and and I get a little nervous in moments like this because I'm an outsider. I don't know the inside spiel or the language, but I felt like you guys made a decision. And maybe there was even wrestling over the decision about taking um, from your future and pouring it into the present. And I feel like the Lord said, you didn't take from your future and pour it into the present. You invested your future into your legacy. And I feel like there's even some things uh, in your personal resources, but also in the church, but I feel like the Lord says, a righteous man leaves an inheritance. He leaves an inheritance. And I feel like the Lord said, the last season was about a battle for a building, but this season will be about a blessing for building the house of God. And I saw, I heard the Lord say this and I'm saying it by faith. I almost can't look at you and I'm saying it by faith. There will be supernatural debt repayment. The, The mortgage will be paid, but this is not about paying debts. This is about fulfilling a destiny and there's enough oil in the house for the debts to be paid and for the destiny to be fulfilled but i feel like the lord said this is not just for the house this is for your family and i saw literally like a a trust fund being set up that someone will set up a trust fund and that the lord will pour back into you what you guys poured and i saw you like pour over a decision to like sign something of your own almost like, I don't know if it was take out a second mortgage and invest it into the church, but I feel like the Lord said, I'm going to take what you poured and I'm going to cause it to be an overflow, not just for this church, but for the nations that I've called you to reach. And so Father, I thank you in Jesus name. I believe this year, this year is, and I'm not, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not, that's not my deal. I believe in the blessing of the Lord, but I want to tell you the Lord has seen you pour behind the door. I believe this year for this church will be a year of supernatural debt payments, supernatural. Some of your debts are going to be canceled, hospital bills will be canceled. Uh, Things that you expected are going to come unexpectedly, refunds, why? Because I believe what God has seen you pour behind the door, he's going to pour through you in this next season. The second thing is I feel like the Lord says there's something happening with the training center that God has given you. And I feel like there's a multiplication that's gonna come on the equipping and the training center for, there was a vision to start a training center. I was part of that, I shared that I saw an accredited training center here and it happened and I know that's happening but I feel like the Lord said it won't just be for ministry training but I see even people being able to get degrees in other disciplines other than just Bible and ministry. And there is a a collaboration with a university. It's going to happen. And education is one of the things that's shifting in the earth today. And the church can fill that emptiness. And we can raise up the the next generation of psychologists, the next generation of healers, the next generation of politicians, the next generation of lawyers, the next generation of culture changers. Why? Because I believe that God has called not just preachers to come from this, house, but world changers that will come from this house. And I feel like added to the certification programs of your training center for ministry and Bible type of things, there's going to be opportunities for people to not leave the house to get their education. Because many times when young people leave the house, they leave the Lord. But I hear the Lord say, nope, I'm going to keep this next generation in the house. I'm going to disciple them in the house. I'm going to train them in the house. I'm going to raise them up in the house. And then I'll send them out to the nations because God has called this house to be a house that would touch the nations. So watch what God does in, in that regard. The, the third thing I saw, and these are the three things, there's going to be a supernatural blessing of, on the finances and debt relief. I believe it with all my heart. Inheritance is going to come. to Even to your natural children, you watch it happen. God's going to do it. He's going to raise up a next generation, not just in ministry and Bible, but other, other disciplines. The third thing, is I felt like, and I heard it today, even as I was listening to the classics, I hear the Lord say there is a new sound of worship coming out of this house. There is a new sound of worship coming out of this house. And I feel like this has been one of the, the re-dos. This has been one of the things that we've had to wrestle around, okay? Let's have a little family talk here for a second. Don't be afraid of the new sound because it's not the opposite of the old sound. It's the old sound rebuilt, restored, renewed. Young people, don't criticize the old sound because the new sound is built on the old sound. So it's a new sound, but it's the same spirit. It's a new sound, but it's the same Lord. It's a new sound, but you can't see your new new thing without the new sound. But here's what I hear the Lord say, there is a generation of radical worshipers that are rising up. I'm telling you, they look like David. They are going to annoy you because they don't care if they have ripped jeans. Like David, he just ripped his clothes. He goes, I'm going to rip my clothes and worship the Lord. (laughs) David got undignified and stomped around. You watch. The Lord, when the dancers hit the stage, the heavens are going to open. Because I'm telling you what I saw today in the spirit was not just a new sound. It was a new display of worship. And I believe that God is raising up something out of this place. And there is a worship movement here. That has, that's just part of the new thing. There is a worship movement here that has not been birthed. And the reason is, is because it needed to have the right moment. It needed to have the mixture of the cultures. It needed to have the mixture of the generations. I love white California worship, but I want me some black gospel worship too. Like I believe that God is blending the sounds. And as you blend the sounds of the generations, as you blend the sounds of the nations, as you blend the sound of the city and the suburbs, you will see heaven open and you will see the harvest come. So get ready. Because Jesus brought a new sound and it offended some people. Jesus brought a new sound and, and they didn't understand it. But can I tell you something? As one who is, not, is, is part of the old and part of the new, in the, in the kingdom of God there are ancient vessels and there are new vessels and we need both. So don't be so ancient that you can't value the new, and don't be so relevant that you can't value what God did in the past, amen? Stand with me to your feet. And God, we just pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray into this. I pray that each person would think today how they can go and find that empty place and what you want them to fill it, God. And Lord, I repent. I, I've repented privately. i repent publicly for the times that that emptiness caused me to speak out of my lack, to speak out of my scarcity. But God, today, we don't say we have nothing at all. We say, God, there's oil in the house. There's oil in the house. Say it with me. There's oil in the house. Say it. With, put your hand on your heart. There's oil in the house. Let me tell you, 2020, could steal, the thief could steal, kill and destroy, but he can't take away what's inside of you. There's oil in this house. There's there's still a little praise left. There's still a little faith left. There's still a little self-control left you know forget the former things because you your mourning won't mark you what's your mourning isn't going to mark you for the future yes it's good to mourn it's okay to mourn but i want to tell you your memories don't have to mark you what your mourning doesn't have to mark you what people said to you doesn't have to mark you why because you've been marked with what's in the house there's oil in the house and you say to yourself i'm going to find the containers i'm going to collect the containers i'm going to find the thing that seemed to be empty the thing that i forgot about maybe it's time to go back and get that degree finished maybe it's time to get that second job maybe it's time to go apologize to someone and and make amends i'm going to find that new container because those containers are what god's going to use to overflow i'm going to build the barn say somebody say i'm going to build the barn I'm gonna build the barn. God, show us how to build the barn so you can overflow. Show us how to build the barns of blessing for finances. Show us how to build the barns of education for this next generation. Show us how to build the barn of worship for this next generation. This is not a house that has an echo of worship. This is a house that has a prophetic sound that needs to be heard. Let that sound arise, God. Let that sound arise and build the barn of the worshipers. Build it in the prayer rooms, build it in the secret place, build it in the wounded areas, build it in the brokenness, because you take the brokenness and you build something beautiful in worship, you take the woundedness and you create new worship out of it, you take the emptiness, and you bring excess of worship, God, so God, I thank you in Jesus' name, and realize that you're part of a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before you. You didn't start this. You just get to jump in on it. You get to write the next part of the story. And there's parts of the past that seemed empty, but I hear the Lord say, the rest of it's gonna be epic. Someone say, it's gonna be epic. It's gonna be exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or think. It's gonna be life and life to the full. And so Father, today we stand in this place we honor the past. We're not forgetting the goodness of the Lord. We, we won't even not have memories of the good things or, or the hurtful things. But what we won't do is we won't let what the devil meant for evil mark us for the good that you're giving us. I'd like you to lift with me your voices and I'd like us to sing that song we sang earlier. We give you all the glory. Because when you're in that place of emptiness, you can either see what you lost or you can look to who you have. And you can fill. You can pour. So let's just pour for a moment to the Lord. do you guys sing it with me? We can for just a moment and if you're watching online I would just give you a moment to respond and the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy but Jesus came that you can have life to the full that started on the cross, the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself He made himself of no reputation he became sin for you so you could become the righteousness of God, he emptied himself so you could have life to the full the Bible says all you need to do to become the new creation in Christ, is to believe Jesus is the Son of God, believe that God raised him from the dead and he went back to be with the Father. And when that happens, he takes what's empty and he fills it, he takes what's old and makes it new, he takes what's dead and makes it alive. And I just wanna be aware if there's someone here online or if there's someone here in this place, you've never given your life to Jesus, this is an incredible opportunity for you to step from empty to epic. This is an incredible opportunity for you to step out of the old and into the new. And if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you just to lift up your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus online, just put it in the chat. Let, let someone see it. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask you guys to pray with me this prayer. Thank you for raising your hand back there. Thank you over there. And I just want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. All the church and those that raise your hand, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Come on, use your outside voices, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God, I believe you the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you rose again. Come into my life, Come into my life. make all the old things new. make all the old things. New. make all the dead things alive, make all the dead things alive. Make me the person you created me to make be me the person created me to be in Jesus name, in Jesus. Name. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer that everything has changed today, all the old things are new. Let someone know, let one of the pastors of this church know.